Welcome to the podcast, A Pint with Shawnee B. I'm here in New York with a person I haven't seen for five years. Laura Fegley is a ad woman extraordinaire who's uh, been in New York uh, in the business for 20 years. She's worked at some of the big shops here, um, JWT, BBH, Cliff Freeman, and we're here to hear what Laura's learnt in her creative journey through life. So welcome, Laura. Thanks. I find when I open and put a microphone in front of my friends, I realize how little I know about them. And when you were coming today, I was going, oh yeah, Laura, great. And then I'm going, what? I don't really know much about Laura. So that's probably good. So you can tell me. Um, wh- where, did you, where, where did you grow up? Where are you from? I'm from Toledo, Ohio. Mm. Um, yeah, so kind of industrial city. Um, I was raised by a single mom who was okay. putting herself through college when I was growing up. Wow. So I spent a lot of time in front of the television watching MASH reruns and I was, I think, raised by the television a little bit. So that was where you <laughs> had the penchant for advertising because you, you probably so, watched yeah. more advertisements as a kid I than did. any other. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, my friend Ted Roy and I had this conversation a lot. But yeah, Ted was on, yeah, was with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah Ted, Ted was also raised by his television, I think, and I think yeah. it spurred on our love of advertising. And what was Toledo like back then? I, I know nothing really about Ohio. It's like it's it was a really good city to grow up in. I think it was like a it's a really good um, it's really ethnically diverse. Like mm-hmm. everybody's everybody's grandparents were from somewhere else, so that was you know it was definitely. I mean, when you're at school, people ask what are you, and yeah. you know that that means you're supposed to kind of talk about where the ancestors. Came yeah, from. yeah. Where where did you where did your I'm actually um, both my sides of the family have been here for like a zillion years. We're like okay, er, bonafide or er, early. Really, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pillagers. And, what, and so, what was the from a schooling point of view? Did you were you creative when you were in school? Yeah, I was creative when I was in school. It's funny. I think watching my, um, I, w- I was in um, art classes and music classes. I was very into music, jazz bands. I was in like all city jazz band, um, kind of all state marching bands, all that sort of stuff. Right. Yes, total, total dork. I played the trombone. Wow. Total Can you dork. still play it? Yeah, it's I have I it's in my it's guest like bedroom. Right? It's in my guest bedroom. No, it's not. Yeah, it's yeah. no, no. It's like it's like being a marathoner. You can't. Really? No, I can barely get anything out anymore. Um, that must be sad. Go and learn it again. I could just imagine you bringing it into you know. Uh, trombone's one of those hard, hard ones in a New York apartment. Yeah, that's that's very challenging for neighbors. Saxophone's okay because you can sit out in the fire escape for them. Yeah, <laughs> in the nineteen eighties movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and smoke the cigar. It's hard to quietly play a trombone. So, you're, so you did a jazz trombone, yeah? Yeah. So I was, I was in high school. I got very into like jazz, and you know, okay. we'd all sit in the practice rooms during lunch and listen to jazz, and thought we were very cool, and we'd sneak off to. Jazz bars. We There was a there was this bar called Rusty's Jazz Cafe, um, right. kind of the other side of town, and we and which seemed to have no problem letting sixteen year olds go in and drink Manhattan's because that's what yeah. we thought was cool to drink and yeah. Uh, yeah. Your fake ID. No, you know, they didn't even need a fake ID no, for Rusty's just, now. No, just yeah. a sort of beret and yeah, yeah. in the jazz. Yeah, yeah I think there was so like a, did you, how as long did as you're you this tall. How far did you go with the jazz? Um, I. Kept playing a little bit in college. I mean, once I went to college, it was definitely one of those things that if you weren't a music major, you know, it just you just kept falling farther and farther behind if you weren't playing all the time. Really? I majored in English, right. so um, it was just one of the. After a while, it becomes apparent that like you can't keep up with everybody. But yeah. you know, I miss. I miss. I guess playing. it's like sport. Like I wanted to be a footballer when I was a kid, but like. I make, I make this kind of observation that when I was about nine, I realized I was never going to fulfill my dream. 
Yeah. And like, what happens to that kid? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and I think music's even even more of a you have to make that decision at a certain point that you probably want to you're probably going to be poor for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, probably teach in a high school somewhere, yeah. and that kind of wasn't ever that interesting to me. So how did you then sort of move in? How did advertising get on your radar? Was it advertising, or what did you do? It, you know, it, honestly, I'm such a dork. It was advertising really early on. I think. I think kind of watching my mother struggle so much um, as I was growing up, I was very kind of trying, always trying to find this balance of how can I do something that's kind of creatively fulfilling and where I can be sort of artistic, but also that it's, it's a real business. Like, this is something that I can actually, like, make a decent amount of money doing. You know, nobody... It's funny, now, once Facebook started getting big... Um, all these people from high school started popping yes. up again, and yeah. I assumed that, you know, I wasn't by any means, like, top ten in my class or anything special, yeah. and I, I didn't go to any special college or anything like that, so I assumed, but I got out, so I assumed that everybody else got out also. But no. They're all still there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, you can leave if you yeah. want. But, uh... So they, would they be looking at you with a sense of envy of what you've achieved? No, I think there's... I mean, I think a little bit of, probably a little bit of awe, but probably also a little bit of not understanding sort of my life and you know I think but a lot of people still, assume like living great. in New York is really really hard yeah. um, and I think a lot of things that I'm really proud of that I've done here and you just even living in New York for 20 years like I'm proud of that True. like I that's, do it. that's hard yeah I had to get it. Um, but I think the things that I'm proud of n- not necessarily everybody I grew up with would be impressed with they would just think I was an idiot did you feel when you got to ad school that you were making a, this was what I'm, this is what I'm doing? Well, I mean, it was really hard to get to ad school, actually. It was, I went to, um, I went to, like, state college, and you know, I went to Bowling Green State University, which total, like, you know, good, good school, but it's, like, run-of-the-mill state college in Ohio, like, nothing yeah. special. They didn't really have, they had, like, a marketing program, but it was kind of in the business school, so it kind of trains you to be an account person. Yeah. So I kind of figured out pretty early on I didn't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, um, but I didn't really know, you know, there was, I think there was one book, it's called How to, how to put your book together and get a job in advertising. Okay. That was this book that was the only thing that existed. And thank God that existed. Um, so I was, you know, after college, I kind of moved home, sitting there trying to figure out how to put together my book of fake ads. So you were, but, you, you were doing the thing where you take a product and say, I'll try and write an ad for that. Yeah, product. I mean, that's yeah. what you, that's, you know, to get, to get your first job, that's what you need to do. But yeah. I was kind of, you know, working in a vacuum of my friends and my mom. You had to have a portfolio of fake ads, mm-hmm. but the bar had started to get really high. Um, and luckily, at some point, I um, got a hold of some kind of younger creative at Fallon at the time, which was, you know, sort of bow down yeah. god of agencies yeah. at the time. This is like 1990, probably like 1992. Right. Went out there, met with this guy, it was great. He's like, saw some potential, thank God, and some stuff. But he was the one that told me about Portfolio Center, which was kind of the only, you know, now there's a million ad schools, but that was kind of the only game in town at the time. So did you use your fake ads to get into Portfolio Center? Yes. Oh, okay. So you had to, you had to have, use fake ads to get into school to make more fake, more fake ads. <laughs> and then it was, and very, it was, polished book. And it was very daunting, too, because, you know, you come out of college, like, just, just poor as shit. I, the, yeah. the thought of going and spending as much as I spent on college again to go to basically trade school. Yeah. I mean, it's basically like going to learn like air conditioning repair, but it's with ads. And how was your mother through all this? Was she supportive? And... I think she just didn't want to know that I wasn't going to live in her house forever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even, I mean, even when I went to college, when I majored in English, that was very scandalous in my family because you, my family, you go and you major in something that it's with clear your... what you're going to go yes. do with it. Yes. And my mother has a finance degree. Yes. 
I think just now my family sort of like acknowledges that I have a real job, yeah. <laughs> but they didn't quite believe for well, the I, So did, when you picked English, was that because you just love, love language? Or you I like love language. Or? I also just wanted, I basically couldn't get a, like liberal arts degree was like my whole family would have disowned me. That's that was too <laughs> that was too far. Too vague. That was too big. Yeah. So at least English was was a little bit more specific, but I still got to take this really broad scope of. And what sort of English did you study? Was it modern or? Oh, yeah, everything. Everything. It was, yeah, it was everything. And uh, I mean, it was basically a liberal arts degree. I mean, the great thing about being an English major was all the other classes I had to take outside yeah. of and and reading a lot. But it it did kind of ruin. It kind of ruined reading for me for for like five I know, years. I, know, I had the same problem. Because I, you know, I was so used to like reading and like writing in the margins. It took me years to get away from like feeling. I like still do that. I, I still needed mark. a I mean, I never did a degree at all. And, yeah. I remember the books that I read in school. They turned me off the writers because it was like school. Right? It was school. I, yeah. I want to read books because I want to read the book. Yeah. Know? It kind of it kind of ruined something that I loved for me for a little while. I yeah. mean, I got over it. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely felt kind of pressure to. How did your uh, how did your um, uh, you know end of ad school? What was the the pressure like there? To because I mean, I assume everyone comes out at the same time. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it was it ended up being it ended up being pretty good. I kind of ran out of money. I was waiting tables like full time when I was living in Atlanta, um, and I kind of ran out of money. So I kind of told them like I'm gonna leave now. I was there like six quarters. Normally you go eight. And they're like, okay, you're ready to leave. And I got like you know I kind of did the the trip up and down the West Coast. I really wanted to go to San Francisco at the time, but my first three job offers, kind of you know, within like a week, were all in New York. So um, I had loved New but York. But you got three job offers. Yeah, I got three job great. offers. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I got to like make a decision about yeah. which place I wanted to go. I ended up going to um, this place called Weisswitten Stagliano, which does not exist anymore. Okay. But it was like a forty-person shop. Um, good idea. And it, you know, it was good. I mean, it was. Because it was so small, like basically, you, you know, as a as a creative team, you had your own accounts. Like my accounts were my accounts, and nobody else worked on them. Yeah. Which kind of right out of the gate is yeah. pretty rare. Mm-hmm. It was also super stressful. <laughs> Did you have any mentors in there? People who really sort of took you under their wing and showed you the ropes, or I had, was it sink or swim? It was super sink or swim. Um, I'm gonna be honest. I spent a lot of I spent a lot of afternoons like crying in the bathroom. <laughs> no. Like it was very stressful. It was very stressful. Sort what of. did you find was the the hardest part? Just the time deadlines or the? I think it was just being being on your own in the water. Yeah, I think it was sort of if you weren't going to crack it, nobody else was going to do it. I think I choked a little bit. Yeah. I see it with a lot. I hate to make it like a woman man thing, but yeah. I see it with. I'm not going to call it a lack of confidence, but I think there's. The lack of the ability to fake it as much yeah. as guys. I think guys can yeah. kind of fake it to make it, and yeah. women are very aware of all of our. You know, yeah. we have any shortcomings, we will make ourselves but I, aware I would, of them. I would, you know, I, I think there's definitely a, a glass ceiling in in the business, but I also think women are much better mentally. You know, their their makeup is far better to run and, and agencies, particularly because I think. Empathy is such a huge thing. I, I couldn't get over the politics when I came here first. I mean, that was a long time yeah. after you were starting. Because I'd, I'd lived all over the world, but never done London and New York. So when I came to New York, it was like in a big job at JWT. We just passed each other in the night there. I think you were coming into JWT. We'd come back to that. What happened then after that you... That place was very political. That was, yeah. I'd always worked with small agencies up until then, and that was... I wasn't prepared for that Which level one? of politics, JWT. Oh, JWT yeah. was terrible. But, I, you know, to be fair... 
BBDO was similar. Uh, I've heard Ogilvy. I mean, the big, big, the big, big places. Yeah, uh, it's funny, uh, and I don't know if just certain places are just so big that they. Because I, mean, I think so much of that comes from the tone that's set at the top about what's yeah. acceptable and what's not acceptable. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if just places that are that big, yeah. there's not the opportunity to have things cascade from the top. That's. I went to VBH right after that, and that okay. was de- that was my next staff job. I went freelance for a while, and then I yeah. went to VBH. Um, and that was definitely that sort of um, just feeling of relief when I went there yeah. because they're super nice, super respectful people. Well, they have a reputation. Honestly, like want the best there. for you, but it is tr- it's very much treat everybody the way you'd like to be treated. It was such a wave of relief when I went there. It was like, oh, thank God, this is like possible and still is here. Nice. And you know, I got my first mentor there. I got my first mentor like after the age of 40. Wow. Which, you know, I got my... Who's that? Uh, I'm a Cookson. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, but it's in the DNA of that company. It's in the DNA of the company. It's not in the DNA of JWT at all. It's, and and particularly not after Martin Sorrell bought... Oh, it used to be in Ogilvy's DNA. Yeah. It's not anymore. How did you feel like when you said to me it was, that was quite revealing that you, got, you finally got a mentor in your 40s which is very honest of you. Had, was it difficult not having someone that would it really was. I mean, it, it's funny. It's so many people I'd work for that I'd learn from, you know, and, yeah. and you, you glean from them what to do. And also a, a lot of it's like what I shouldn't do. You see a lot of stuff from bosses and you're like, okay, don't do that. Yeah. There's a difference between sort of people teaching you things and people making that sort of kind of pointed acknowledgement that they see something in you and yeah. they're making you aware that they see something with you and they yeah. want to share knowledge with you. Um, and Emma was the first person to do that. Like, you know, she would take me to lunch. And it was a lot of it. It's like, here's stuff that you're messing up on yeah. that I've messed up on. And yeah. I want to see you fuck up less yeah. Yeah. For, for a shorter period of time than yeah. I did with that. And I Are found you paying that, that forward? Have you got a whole little pot of mentees under you? Well, it's funny. It's, it, just, it just became, it just made me incredibly aware that um, just even that acknowledgement, like just to know that I had been seen. Yeah. Like, was very powerful to me. Like, it was very powerful, and it made me very much aware that, you know, I have, a, there's been a million different creatives that have kind of come along that have worked for me that I've, you know, in my brain, I'm like, well, they've got a lot of potential, and, I, and I'm, I'm encouraging them in my brain, yeah. but it doesn't quite make it out. You know, it's very Midwestern not to kind of, right. you know, vocalize sort right. of positive yeah. feelings about things. <laughs> don't, large, don't, 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 want people, don't want people to get big yeah. heads, you yeah, know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Away from advertising, what? 20 years in New York, that's, yeah. you weren't expecting that, were you? No, I mean, like What's I said, I, like? You know, I really had wanted to move to San Francisco. Mm. Um, and then the longer I was here, I would go out and visit friends on the West Coast and everything, and I like, wasn't as into San Francisco anymore. Right. And it smells of wee. <laughs> yeah, it does smell of wee. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, very yeah, No, Giuliani took care of our, our wee problem. <laughs> we have a wee problem. <laughs> we and, um, and it, yeah, it became one of those, um, you know, jobs would kind of come up in other cities and, and it just became one of those, like every time, either something was going on personally for me here, like I had a boyfriend I wanted to stay for or whatever, but for the most part it was just when push came to shove and I was looking at moving to another city, I never liked those cities as much as I liked and are you an East Village girl or Brooklyn or what's the... I lived in the East Village. Well, I, when I first moved here, I lived in Chelsea for five years and right. then I lived in the East Village for 12 years. Uh, and then I lived in Brooklyn for 
five, six years. So do you feel like, you know, that do like if you do you want to get out, travel, or stay, or what? Do you see do you see yourself here for another ten years? Or it's it's funny. So once I moved out to Brooklyn, I, I kind of started my my kind of quest to. I moved out to Clinton Hill, which is just so, like the most beautiful neighborhood. Like yeah. I find it just like stunning. It's like yeah. super neighborhoody. It's very Sesame Street. Like there's yeah. one of, there's one of everybody, you know. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's architecturally it's just it's gorgeous. Yeah. Kind of once I moved out there, I, I kind of stealthily started luring my friends out there. So I'm slowly building up my little like coterie. Yeah, great out there, yeah. which which is great because that's all that's all you need is yeah. is enough people to like go to brunch with, so you never need to leave your neighborhood. Exactly. Um, what would you say to your younger self uh, in Ohio, working on those fake ads to try and get into ad school? What would you say at this juncture, looking back? I can't give myself the advice to be more confident because you kind of can't yeah. make yourself be confident. But I would give myself the advice to just know that one day I will be confident. Yes. <laughs> that it's coming. It's in the mail. Yes. Um, so just fake it until you make it and yes. not don't stress out about it too much. Yeah. Um, I found I it think that the, very I think stressful that, at the beginning. Like I found yeah. it very, very stressful. And I was really scary, hard on it? myself. No, I think I think determination and care. I mean, like, I think there's know, determination and care, but then if you it's giving if, a shit, if, it's giving a shit. But if you combine giving a shit with kind of lack of confidence, mm-hmm. that's a real tough stew. Well, I mean, another way I would look at it, just from my experience here, was I found there were too many, excuse my Irish term here, gobshites. Uh, there were too I many. Like there were too many that? ad gobshites. American ad gobshites who thought they knew it all and were fucking and had confidence to beat the band but wouldn't be able to do it right their way out of a paperback. But that goes a long way. In it, a lot, it, a, a lo- it goes a long way goes for a them. Long way. But again, that's part of the. the, a, the lot of those, a lot of those guys are making a lot more money than I am yeah, now. Okay. And yeah. yeah, I mean, all, a lot. A lot of them should get a few shake out in the wash. Yeah, yeah. but if you play the game, that kind of that kind of confidence, and if you have like a modicum of talent, yeah. like you'll go a really long way. And it's kind of sad, right? Yeah, it's really sad. Well, but it also, I think, that sort of beating myself up about sort of not being good enough and all that, it just made my first few years in advertising, like, yeah. not as fun as they should have been. Right. I mean, it's really hard. I mean, when you first start as a creative in advertising, I mean, your whole job as a creative in advertising is for people to tell you that your ideas aren't good. Yeah. I mean, there's very small percentage of your ideas that people are like, that's amazing. Yeah. That's the one. So your whole job is basically getting rejected all the time, um, and you know, especially when you first start out, like your rejection rate is ho- hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if just now people just like the ideas that there's I like. Have, have, they have to think that yeah, yeah I've got, gotten enough seniority that now everybody just has to go along with them, and they're still shitty ideas. But yeah. but yeah. when I was younger, you know, it's like that your hit rate's pretty low, so you're basically getting told constantly that your ideas aren't good Um, and you know and I think especially if you're taking things personally um, you know it's that's that's a tough first Mm. few years I know it's funny Doug again as I said you learn things on on these chats which I would never ever I would say you were the most confident one of the most confidence with uh, uh, people that I knew you know well you know more now but I mean it took a took a long time I mean I definitely had my moments how do you see the future of the business in terms of the speed at which we're operating on right now, technology and all that? Where do you, where do you, are you optimistic or pessimistic? I'm optimistic, but I'm, I'm a little pessimistic for the traditional agency structure. Um, I mean, just like when digital came into, into line, agencies were really slow to figure out how to get that going. I mean, yeah. it's just now that 
all the agencies are up to speed and they can just when they don't do, need to be able to do it anymore <laughs> yeah exactly um, and I, I worry about that again I mean I, I love I love agencies and all that they represent and the culture yeah. and the sort of you know it's great to have the sort of third party entity that's not the brand that's able yeah. to you know it's like it's like anything where you can if you can get a little bit of perspective you can you can probably see a brand better than brands can see themselves so I think there's yes. a real strong um Need. argument for yeah. agencies yeah. Um, but you know now you're seeing more and more content being created by media companies and by media verticals mm -hmm. which is really interesting but you know they're stealing a lot of ad agencies lunches mm -hmm. um, but they're able to do that stuff kind of faster and, and, and more efficiently yeah. and for like they don't have to they're not sag signators so they mm -hmm. can do things at a much lower cost um, and that's some of the most interesting stuff that brands are doing right now so mm -hmm. that's a little scary yeah. Um, and you know, and a lot of brands are also taking stuff in house. And yeah. you know, again, I, I do think there's something to be said for having this kind of unbiased sort of look at your brand and be able to help see you mm. clearly through things. Yeah. But there's also a lot of you know, wh why why do why would you need to deal with this sort of other building full of cranky people that are trying to build their portfolios and trying to build their agency reels and you know, hopefully they're they care about building your business, yeah. but they really care about building their business. It's scary. I mean, I think, I, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know whether I'm pessimistic or optimistic, but uh, it's, uh, it's coming at us. It's coming at us. It's coming at us really fast. Are, yeah. I think it's going to change. I think, the, I think, I think it's going to be a lot less um, kind of black and white, how, how it all shakes out, how marketing for brands happens. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of different ways it happens. And, you know, I'm wondering if it is going to go back to, you know, back to the days when NBC created all of the advertising for their advertisers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, sponsored shows on Netflix. Yeah, the but there's a back to basics and, idea. <clears throat> I think that could could emerge here with with creativity, which could be really good for creative people. I think I hope. And you know, maybe planners are not telling you what consumers are saying in research and how they don't like your ad, and maybe it becomes more of that. Standing out, Laura. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I Thanks for having chatting me. To you and I feel like I was in therapy for. Rina. Well, that's part of the yeah. idea. Yeah, I mean, I love the way you're on. You're very honest. And uh, anyway, Laura, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um,